Our Old Testament reading this morning is of Genesis 12. Uh, It's the opening four verses this morning. This is the beginning of Abraham's revelation that God would give him that would start in motion a chain of events that continues throughout Genesis, tracking the history of the patriarchs. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Now, the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. The New Testament reading for this morning is from the 12th chapter of Hebrews. Uh, It's the opening three verses. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith. We understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. If you happen to read the cover of the uh, packet that was put together for last week's annual congregational meeting, here at Rehoboth. Uh, My note in it included reference to a suggestion that had been made to me that I consider preparing a sermon from Hebrews 11. I was told that it was a chapter that spoke of hope and that as we enter into now the third year of a global pandemic, a message of hope might be appreciated by the members of the congregation. Well, not bad logic from a 10-year-old, if I do say so myself. So, having that thought in the back of my mind for a couple of weeks now, and returning to that idea a few times since then, I thought this would be as good a time as any to be obedient to that prophetic word that I had received. I began by rereading the verses that had been paraphrased for me at the time of the suggestion. And they are the first three in this chapter, probably the most familiar, the ones we heard just a minute or two ago. But then I continued to read on through the rest of the 11th, through the rest of this chapter of Hebrews, which is the 11th, not the 12th. And in it, I was struck by what a fantastic piece of writing Hebrews 11 in its totality is. Biblical scholars have debated 
whether or not these words were written or at least dictated by the Apostle Paul himself. At the moment, the jury is still out on this. Folks fairly evenly split between those who deny Pauline authorship and those who are quite confident of it. But regardless of which faction ultimately prevails, one cannot argue that contained in this chapter of the text is a powerful tour de force that traces the foundationally important role that faith played in the lives of the Hebrew patriarchs. Well, you may be thinking, bully for them. And indeed, it was good for them. For their, because of their faith, they were rewarded during their lifetimes through a variety of blessings in a variety of ways. But by such powerful demonstrations of their faith, they also provided for their contemporaries and for those who would follow, including, after all these generations, we too, living examples of how one's faith is not contingent on gender, age, health, race, socioeconomic status, or any other environmental factor. It is equally accessible to all, all people, in all places, at all times. Those who choose, and it is indeed a choice, to have the hope which is expressed as faith, have endured and can endure all things. And that is the message I believe that I have been asked to share with y'all today. Is that right? Faith is more than wishful thinking. Wishful thinking disappoints. Wishful thinking is what so many have, unfortunately, been relying on throughout history and in the present as well. Wishful thinking is that COVID can be conquered because we're such an advanced civilization, because we have so many smart people and technologies working on the problem. There's nothing that we can't do if we just put our minds to it and our noses to the grindstone and throw more money at it. And it was just the sort of thinking that produced the false narrative that we would conquer this virus in very short order and get back to business as usual. Faith, by contrast, is an unshakable belief rooted not in human ability, but in the majesty of God. And that hope, that hope, never disappoints. It never disappoints because it is not based on the frailty of the creatures, but upon the enduring faithfulness of a creator God, which is infinitely more permanent. Since it was suggested that perhaps I offer a message of hope, maybe I would do better to talk less about the mystery of what faith is and more about the hope that it engenders and how that hope can make a difference in the way that we live. Each of us has been called to faith in Jesus and springing from the hope that his life, death, 
resurrection and ascension gives to those called, we, just as the patriarchs and matriarchs of the Hebrew people, are emboldened to live out the faith that we embrace. Living in hope is the opposite of living in fear. It is a way of freedom, freedom from guilt, shame, sins of our past, free to live forgiven and grateful to the God who has provided all these blessings. Living the way those lifted up by the author here in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. People who faced insurmountable odds and yet persevered. Folks who saw innumerable obstacles before them yet were enabled to overcome each and every one. Living in accordance with a trust in God, a God who can overcome all things. At the very end of the chapter, the author, whether it be Paul or not, shares one final reflection on a life of hope. And that was from a point in time that was for him in the present. No longer looking back on the glory days of the patriarchs and the matriarchs of the Hebrews, but rather to the lives that were being lived out in the day this letter was written. And there in the text we read a comforting message from the author who reminds us in a unifying thread that the theme of hope demonstrated in the lives of the matriarchs and the patriarchs lives on in the lives of the followers of Jesus. Though faced with adversity in many forms, the faithfulness of the apostolic era was being blessed in a way that even the greatest of the spiritual ancestors had not been on account of the coming of Jesus, which serves as a pretty good segue into what all of this might mean for us. For we too have received this unmerited gift in and through our Savior. He has overcome all things in this world and beyond even going so far as to swallow up sin and death forever. If Jesus has done that for us, then, of what shall we be afraid? If, as Paul contends in his letter to the Romans, where he has stated his conviction that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, then what have we to fear? As Churchill famously told the citizens of the British Empire and the rest of the world with ears to hear, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And while he was full of hope in a righteous cause, we have been filled with hope in the righteous one. Such hope is not the sort of thing one means when one says, I hope things will turn out all right. No, this is a hope that is rooted in a certainty that some future outcome is assured because it has already been accomplished. It isn't the sort of thing that sports psychologists mean 
when they tell their athletic clients, if you just imagine yourself doing it, then you'll be able to make it so. It isn't the power of positive thinking on our part that causes these things to happen, for they are done for us by the one who does not, the one who cannot fail. With that blessed assurance, then, there is no reason that we should live as hostages to fear. Our Lord created this world. He has lived in this world. His sacrificial love redeems this world. He has overcome this world and all the powers and principalities which sought to scare us through their fear-mongering tactics. The author of Hebrews holds up for us in illustration after illustration after illustration Old Testament characters whose lives demonstrated a resistance to these powers and principalities through their unwavering faith in this God Most High. But all that is in the past. And now, with the advent of the new covenant in Jesus, the strife truly is o'er. The battle won, and we have no excuse to live as anything other than the victors that we are in Jesus. So where does the comfort come in all of this? After all, the request for preaching a sermon on this topic was, if I'm not mistaken, intended to inspire hope and bring comfort to and among a people who have been, honestly, going through quite a bit lately. Well, in the beautiful and thoughtful questions and answers found in the 16th century's Reformed Confession called the Heidelberg Catechism, it begins with this question, what is your only comfort in life and in death? The answer, that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Now there, my brothers and sisters in Christ, there is some comfort for you. True today as it was 459 years ago this month when these words were first published. The great hope which has been revealed to us, the hope that has reaffirmed the faith of our ancestors in the scriptural record, demonstrated in the events sketched out by the author of Hebrews. This hope rightly ought to be sufficient to sustain us for the living of these days. So, the next time you turn on the news and hear of wars and rumors of wars, when social media bombards you with warnings about viruses and variants and subvariants 
As the price of goods and services rise exponentially, when your next financial statement arrives and informs you that you have less money in your account or that you have less value in your equities now than last year, take a deep breath and say a centering prayer. Then sit a spell and open the pages of Scripture. Read from a different source of news, the good news. Be reminded of the goodness of God who has walked with his people through their trials across the centuries, yea, even since the beginning when he created all things that came to exist. In this rich history of the faith, you'll find lives whose own faith was a gift from God, just as is ours. From them, I pray, you will indeed be grateful and receive the Spirit's gift of courage and of comfort in this one great eternal hope who God has revealed to us in the word made flesh, who's dwelt among us. And for that, we may truly say, thanks be to God and amen.